when the music stops. We are standing here in awe of the awesome. Did you not hear the music? I did. No, hear I didn't hear the music. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we had music. There was like awesome, awesome free music that I can play without paying any royalties because, mm-hmm. you know, Smith & Wesson still hasn't picked up our sponsorship. Uh, good coffee still has got us and good tea. They good still, tea. yep. And they're, but, they're just stalwarts. They, they don't care what we say. They just, they'll support us in anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what we should do? We should really get for beyond the sermon, some really like flashy intro that plays like when music plays, it just, there's yeah. Like a, a book or something. And, yeah, that would be great with a bunch of light that flows from it, you know, as the Holy Spirit is is proceeding from the the scriptures over the airwaves. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah. Well, when we pick up when we get those sponsorships, then we can find that. Yeah. Exactly. We, we can spend the money, money on that. Yeah. So here we are. We uh, uh both all three of us preached on two texts for this uh coming week. Uh two of you uh preached on Exodus chapter 32. 15 to 30, and I preached on Matthew 10. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's go through. We should through. probably say happy 4th. Sorry? We should say happy 4th. Happy 4th. Yes. You said it, so we said it. We're good. Let's go. We're good. So Genesis chapter 3, 32. Sorry, Exodus chapter 32. Which book am I in? Okay. Then... Starting at verse 15. Here we go. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the one side and on the other. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. Moses says it is not the sound of people who shout for victory, neither it is the sound of people who cry because of defeat, but I do hear the sound of people who are celebrating. As soon as Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burned. So he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water. Then he made the people of Israel drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What do these people do to you? that you have brought such a great sin on them. Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know these people. They are set on evil. So they said to me, Make a God for us who will go ahead of us, because this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, does not know what is, and we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Whoever has any gold, pull it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. When Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get so out of control that they were disgraced among their enemies, Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. All the descendants of Levi gathered themselves together to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man is to strap his sword on his thigh and go back and forth throughout the camp from one gate of the camp to the other, and every man is to kill his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. The Levites did what Moses said, and that day about 3,000 men from among the people fell. Moses said, Begin your service of the Lord today. Yes, because every man among you who took a stand against his son or against his brother, the Lord is bestowing the blessing on you today. On the next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a very grievous sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can gain atonement. For your sin. This is Exodus. Now, we have two brothers who have preached on this the last Sunday, so who would like to go first? I'll have the, the wrong Dave go first because... Uh, He's I always think, right. Well, not only that, but he said that he he, he found and, and scraped together and wrung out um, some beautiful gospel in here, so... Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll go first. I, as I was preaching on it, I, I started off as I like to do with the Old Testament history accounts with um, a, a little bit of hermeneutical principles where 
you know, I try to remind people, you know, just because God describes something doesn't mean God is telling us to do it. And so, you know, you have here the account of Moses commanding his people to, and, and specifically the Levites, to go with swords and put down, you know, what really is um, a riot. And, you know, that's something that, you know, serving in Brooklyn Park, the people understood. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I pointed out that it's, you know, he, he does that because he really is holding two positions at the time. He is both the theological leader of God's people, but he's also the civil leader of God's people. And so this is very different from what we have today, whereas I'm just the theological leader of the church in Brooklyn Park. And, you know, the mayor is the civil leader of, you know, the city of Brooklyn Park. So those powers are separated. And the office of Moses wasn't just unique in that regard, but it was also unique in its role of uh, safeguarding the line of the Savior. And so you see God's concern about, you know, two groups, well, really three groups of people here. You know, the enemies who are laughing at the Jews. You know, the Jews were supposed to be a light to the, the people around them, that they could see them and come to faith. The, the Jews themselves needed to repent and come back. And also, you know, all people of all time, you know, through whom the, the seed of Abraham. Am I saying that right? Through whom? Because, you know, the seed of Abraham was going to be a blessing to all people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the reason God is so serious about putting down this riot is because he wants to protect that promise he had given to Abraham. And so when Moses calls out, are you for the Lord? We used the NIV. Mm. Um, It's because God wants to save people. And God is very serious and focused about Mm. saving people. And the Levites, you know, answer that call and you know, this is where I'd like to know more about the text because you you have about um, I use the number a million and a half people, uh, and it's a, a riot in the camp, but only about three thousand people die. And so, how did they pick? You know, who they killed? You know, this is uh, God's judgment carried out and led by Moses, God's prophet. Um, You know, it's very different from just a a wanton slaughter or or massacre. You know, this is a very kind of a a surgical type thing to restore order to God's people, to bring them to repentance. But also, you know, this is God as gently as possible. bringing God's people back to repentance to protect the line of the Savior for your salvation. And not only does he do that, but he also then uses the Levites who who weren't going to have a share in the promised land, who because of of Levi's sin earlier had, had been excluded to now become the priests. And that's that promise at the end of 29, that they would have, you know, those special cities throughout the promised land to teach and to proclaim God's word. They would have the the, the service in the tabernacle and in the temple to proclaim God's word and in the temple and tabernacle to offer sacrifices, to point ahead to the Savior. And all of that would... um, 
work faith in people's hearts and build up God's people to preserve them for another 1,500 years that Christ could live the perfect life and that we did not live and to die for our sins. And so we see how God turns even sins around for our good. And that this is why we are for the Lord, because we can see, <clears throat> you know, we can see his, his power and his might. We can see how, how much better he rules the world than earthly rulers. You know, we can contrast this with the, the riots that happened in um, Minneapolis with George Floyd and see, you know, it's still a mess here. But look at what God did and how he handled it and how he fixed things. And we can see how he earned our faith and our trust. Um, and, and that's the joy and the gospel of the Old Testament that God could have had a very short Bible, you know, Jesus died for your sins, trust in that, you know, but he, he gives us 2,000 years or 6,000 years of history and, and 6,000 years of examples so that we have so much to put our trust in and we have so many Old Testament people that we can look and identify with and say, hey, hey that guy's just like me. And I, I, that makes sense to me. Like I was talking about before the show, I can see myself in Gideon with the wanting reassurance and the trust and encouragement. Um, I do like the thought of God restoring order, not just to restore order for its own sake, but he's, he's thinking of the promise that he had made in the past to Abraham that he was going to send a savior. So he's got to make sure the line of the savior is preserved and, so I, I do like that thought because otherwise it just does look like a, you know, a riot. Moses puts down a riot. And then like you were saying, that would be a, a good text for people to understand that it isn't just about a, de, uh, a prescriptive, like let's go get the sword and and uh, start uh, uh, knocking on every church that's doing the sparkle creed and come in and, and strike them down with the sword. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, And, and I guess I glossed over the law portion of the sermon here. But God does take seriously his commands, you know, and he means it, um, you know, but he steps in when it's about his plan of salvation. And, and that's what we trust in. That's where he draws the line. And so when we don't understand what's going on in the world, it's not because all of a sudden God's not serious about it anymore. It's because you know, this is where the line is. If it hasn't gotten there yet, God's still saving people. And we trust in that. Hmm. Well, um, I took, I, I guess I, I took that from a totally different way. Um, I, <clears throat> when I looked at it, I, I approached this, uh, this wasn't a riot. This was, um, going back into the beginning of 32, this was a formal thing. Um, Aaron led the people in a day of celebration. Um, this was um, this was a coordinated event, <clears throat> uh, completely and utterly. And this is where my whole entire approach is that the the, the whole text of the lectionary um, from fifteen to twenty nine is really an entire section of law. The very first thing that God spoke from Mount Sinai was, "Have no other gods, make no craven images." And what did they do? They made a craven image, and they did the exact thing that they said, "We will abide by this. We will we will." We will um, stick to this. God, you will be our God. We will be your people. We won't do these things. And then they did these things. Um, and so my my entire sermon was um, really based on the how could they. And I started my entire sermon with with you know how many times do we say how could they when we when we watch the news? How many times do we say how could they when we see someone doing that something that we know isn't right? And I said you know having the discuss. I even said it. I said having the discussions in the in the in the uh, judicial department about whether children in the womb are children. Um, you know, life doesn't come from non-life, so they're alive. <laughs> that, 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 that's not a discussion. Anybody knows that a rock doesn't become a living thing. It, it's, it's, you know, how could they? And we ask ourselves these questions, and then, and then I said, and, and how can we avoid that in our lesson? How could they? You know, after going through everything that God has done 
um, seeing everything that God has done for them and um, coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea. Um, the Lord is still a, a upon Mount Sinai. I mean, you see, you see the glory of the Lord present there. How could they? Um, and then I kind of, I kind of twisted it and I had sort of three steps in my sermon. And the first step was how could they? And then the second step is, well, we understand it when, you know, the Lord doesn't answer our prayers when we think he should or how we think he should, or when he tells us to wait, especially, and we don't like to wait because we're waiting for a very long time. And then we start taking matters into our own hand and we can understand that. We can understand that, you know, when Moses would go up into the mountain and he'd be gone, it was okay when he was gone for a couple hours. It might've been okay when he was gone for a day, but then it became a week and then it became two weeks and it became a month. And then we're like, okay, well, you know, someone who walks into a big wall of fire probably doesn't walk back out. <laughs> um, and so we we get this idea in our head, okay, he's gone and we can understand it. So then my 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 whole kind of concept turned from how could they to how could we? And that was that was kind of the, the the law take home. How could we do these things? But we do them all the time when when we don't we don't get the God that we want. When we don't get the God that 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 um, we can make and take around and and a God that that would allow us to do what we want to do, but also forgive us when we feel guilty about what we did. Um, and and a God that we can assemble for ourselves that will do everything we want Him to do. And then I kind of I moved from that to. To the the what I felt in the entire text was God's point. There is a there's a penalty for sin. Um, that this this was this was beyond a political thing. This was a spiritual thing. The the entire people fell away. Um, and I, I I had brought up you know Aaron didn't do it intentionally. I, I don't think Aaron did. I don't think Aaron intentionally said I'm going to supplant God. And give them this false God. I think he was trying to focus their attention on something. And then we sort of see that as he tries to, to pull back a little bit where he builds the golden calf. And they're like, here, here is the, and the people say, this was from before in 32, where the people say, here, Israel is your God. And then Aaron's like, oops, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think maybe I went a little too far. How about we just have a celebration focusing on the Lord whose glory is up on the mountain right now? And, and so he tries to pull back, but instead of pulling back and, and saying, okay, this is wrong. We got to stop this. He, he kind of rests his hand on what he says to, to Moses, you know, they're evil people. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. And, and then he says, and I had no idea that when I threw the, the, the gold into the fire, all of a sudden this would happen. I, I, I had no control over it. I mean, it counter to what we hear in the beginning of 32, um, and so I use those as examples too. You know, how many times in our sin and when we build golden calves in our life, um, do we blame someone else? I wouldn't have done it if they weren't, if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't have done it unless it was, you know, they made me do it. They're they're the ones that that caused this problem. And then how many times, well, I didn't know that this was going to be the result. I mean, when I was really judgmental about about telling you what I felt, I didn't know it was gonna hurt your feelings. <laughs> Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, you, you probably said it because you knew it was going to have a reaction. Um, and so I, I, I kind of wrapped around my whole entire law section with the just because we pray about something and then we come to terms with it or feel at peace with a decision that is wrong doesn't make it right. And just because we want to make things sound more pious by saying, well, you know, um, I believe in the Lord. He needs to have his due, but the Lord wants me to be happy. And so I'm going to engage in it just because we make it sound pious doesn't make it pious and doesn't make it godly. And I said, and there's a consequence. And I said, and the consequence is that um, that sin must be removed. I said, just like cancer still today, the best cure for it is to cut it out, is to remove it. And I said, and there's no 12 step program. Um, there's no, there's no, let's be patient and see what happens. You go into a doctor. The doctor says you have cancer. The doctor says we must remove it. We have to treat it now. Um, and I said, and so the Lord sends Moses and, and, and Moses does that. I said, he pulverizes the golden calf. He destroys it utterly. And, and then he, there's a consequence in life for it. And then 
I, I kind of made that lead to, you know, we need people in our life who will utterly pulverize our golden calf. I said, if you close your eyes and you say, I'm okay because, and you fill it in with anything other than my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you have a golden calf and someone needs to come in and pulverize that. <laughs> they need to remove that from you so that you're not resting on it. Um, and then and then I, I kind of continued to wrap it around and I said, you know, Moses, Moses, um, understanding his place before the people said, I, this is a gravest sin. This is something that is, is, is going to forever haunt you. I'm going to go and ask if I can plead for atonement for you. I can make this, make this right in the Lord's eyes. And the Lord says no to Moses. But I said, you know, a person enters our life who pulverizes our golden calves. And the Lord does not say no to him when he says, I will make atonement for them. And that's where I led to the gospel. And I, I was able at the very end to, to just share, and Jesus does this. He destroys our golden calves. He doesn't say, let me be patient and work with your sin. He removes it completely. And then he takes the burden of it and he dies for it so that your name remains in the book of life, so that your name remains there in heaven, that you are with him. And I said, uh, I said, which leads us to the very last question. And I said, you know, we started with how could they, and we're pointing fingers. And then we realized how could, how could we, and we recognize ourselves. And then I said, the final question is really, and the only important one is how could he, how could Jesus do that? And why would he do that for us? And the answer is grace. And that's kind of where I, I left it, that his undeserved love for you. So. Yeah. And, and I think that really we're emphasizing two different halves of the, the Old Testament reading. Um, in, in the context I'm preaching, you know, we, we've got a lot of liberal churches. And so there's a lot of attacks on the Old Testament, you know, a, a judgmental God, a hateful God. And, and so I, I really like to emphasize what is God doing here? Sure. God is sending his son to save you. And so starting in verse um, 25, where Moses says they're running wild you know, and, and talking about why does he send the people through there and keeping all of that in context. You know, I want them to be able to interpret and understand the Old Testament. You know, why is this going on? Why did 3000 people die? Oh, and I agree. I'm, I'm, I, and when I approach the text, I look at it and I'm like, you know, why do, why do we have to have a savior? Well, because sin has a consequence <laughs> and, well, and yeah. only 3000 died when all of them should have, because in 32, the Lord said, I'm going to get them all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, we and from the same, I, I think we may have approached it from a different angle, but we end in the same spot. Right. I think pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think you really focus on that first part of the golden calf. Right. Uh, I did. I did. Yeah. And and one and, of the things that I struggled with, and I'll be honest, I struggled with this. Um, and it was I struggled with the translation of it, so I didn't include it in my sermon. And I thought about it. In verse twenty nine, there's a discrepancy as to how that should be translated. Um, like the e the the ESV translates it. Um, now you have begun your service. Um, and the EHV says, begin your service of the Lord today. Um, that idea of the work of the Levites in, in being priestly in standing before the people and calling out their sin, and then also uh, working to forgive, um, and, and proclaiming that forgiveness. There's that play there. But I, when I was, when I was wrestling with it in the text and when I was translating it and I'm like, how much explanation will be needed to build to that. I mean, I know that that was the work of the priests. I know that that's what we're going to get as, as they detail, here's what you're going to be able to do. Would my people be prepared to look at that verse 29 and say, yeah, the, the priests are doing their job. They're, they're, they're saying sin is bad. No. And we're going to work for you. We're going to work to proclaim forgiveness to you and make this better. I struggled with that. So I just said, I think I'm going to focus heavily on the golden calf because See, I think and, that's, approachable. that's approachable for my people. Yeah. And, and that's where I kind of glossed over a little bit, the connection between the, you know, the putting down the riot and the connection between their priestly work. 
and and just talked about proclaiming the word um, because I, I think when we talk about consequences or the results of sin, it's easy to fall into a, a, a Romanist kind of, or a Roman Catholic kind of, um, Christ died for all of your heavenly sins, but there's still earthly punishment for it. And, and that's not what's going on here. You know? And that, that's yeah. not what you said, but. Right. And, and what, I get you know, what you're saying. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, and so I kind of skipped the whole issue to try to avoid that. Well, and and um, that's that's one of those things, though, in life, right, where you have – you can't avoid the fact that there – that ultimately, ultimately, the, the consequence of sin is paid for by Christ. Um, and that's but, what you did. Right. And I thought that was very clear. Right. There are there. still consequences in the world, too. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Exactly. And, and we can't – and that's the hard part whenever you're in a sermon and whenever you're sermonizing and, 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 and dealing with the text, you're always thinking, okay, at what point can my people understand that? Yes, there are true consequences to sin being in the world. And yet those consequences aren't eternal consequences that will last them forever. And then, and then deal with the text where it is and say that the Lord is saying that, that those who remain in this attitude of unbelief, will be taken out of the book of life. That's later on in the same chapter. When Moses is talking with the Lord, the Lord says, nope, I can't give up. I'm not going to let you take your name from my book. I'm not going to do that. You can't trade your name for someone else's name. He says, but I'm going to judge the person who remains away from me, and I'm going to remove them from my book. Um, I mean, so our earthly sin, if, if if allowed to continue, leads to eternal consequence um and that we all know that's true that's that yeah oh absolutely yeah Yeah. but you know (sighs) and that's where i tried to go with the the statement of you know when it when it threatens god's plan of salvation that's when god steps in you know christ paid for all of your sins you know that's when he steps in with discipline you know that's when he steps in to stop the unbeliever that's when he steps in. But I mean, doesn't the Lord step in to stop? Um, I mean, the Lord continues to warn about sin in general and the consequences that are, are there even in an earthly standpoint. I mean, that's what his law is. His His law, the, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue itself, is not only uh, uh, an indictment of our of our nature, but it is also an indictment of our our society. We, we transgress these things in a societal way, and there are consequences for it. Um, some are more prominent, some are less prominent, but there is a consequence. You know, if you are a liar, there's a consequence for that. And if you are a cheat, there's a consequence for that. If you, if you cheat in your marriage, there is consequences for that. And, and the Lord does not mitigate those all the time in an earthly standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's, you know, um, I, I always think back to my own dad, you know, my dad smoked like a chimney and he went in to go for a surgery and this is way before he had passed away. He went in for surgery and he almost died on the operating table. And the doctor said, I cannot do this surgery, which you need until you uh, have stopped smoking for a, a, a period of time where you're not going to go into to AFib and you're not going to have, um, breathing uh, complications so that you can survive the surgery. Um, and, and I remember my dad asking, you know, well, why did all this happen? And I'm like, that is a, that is a, you destroy your lungs. There's a consequence. (laughs) I I mean, yeah, but at at the same time, you know, there, there is that understanding from, you know, Romans 828, that everything is a part of God's plan of salvation. Agreed. Yep. And and so so what is he doing? He's calling you back. Take refuge in me. Um Exactly. And and yeah. and that doesn't mitigate necessarily all the earthly things, but it it does Not at all. Right. And and so I think I again, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your approach. I'm just saying I think we approached it from 
when we first approached the text, we we did approach it from different ways, but we came to the same conclusion that the, the text is pointing to Christ. And, and, and the text is pointing to really the ultimate atonement, the ultimate savior is the one who takes away the consequence of sin um, and places it upon himself, which is the point, I think, of the text. And, and I, oh, absolutely. And I just think it's hard to, to clarify some of these things in a 15 minute sermon because. That's why I took like 22. <laughs> okay, good. 15, no, bad. 22. It's totally possible. Mine was not 15 minutes. You can ask any of my members. They'll tell you. Um, can't get it done uh, in 15, but you can get it done in 22. I know. I know. Imagine what you could get in 29. I, I could I, not get it done in 22. <laughs> Maybe but a no. pastor could get it done in 22. <laughs> But uh, I, I I like the point that was made, and Rachel made a good point, and I and I had made that point in my sermon that that you know um, Lu, um, Moses was a very was aggressive when he needed to be aggressive. Um, he was very passive aggressive when it came to Pharaoh when he 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 kind of shied away. But when it came to sin, and and um, and there's a part of me that says there's so much in verse in chapter 32 that we could have brought up because, you know, the Lord says, I'm going to destroy the people. And Moses stands up and says, you can't. You promised. You can't. <laughs> you can't do these things. And so then the Lord says, well, fine, you go down and handle it. And so he goes down and he is aggressive. <laughs> and he's like, I'm I am not going to be patient with you. I'm I, <laughs> I'm not going to tolerate this. Um, I mean, in six months. I mean, you, you think our memory is bad in the nation. I think the people of Israel in six months, they lost their, they lost their complete mind and they were standing in the glory of God. Well, and, and that's <laughs> the other thing is, you know, so many people want to see God's glory and they want to, they don't want to live by faith. They don't mm-hmm. want God in word and sacrament. change anything. Yeah. And like, have you read the Old Testament? <laughs> I do not want God in his glory to appear. <laughs> Not until I am glorified, because that terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see Jesus, please. That's. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Word and sacrament. I am good with word and sacrament. That's scary enough. That is scary enough to handle the word and sacrament. (laughs) Yes. I am a sinner. Let me just stick with word and sacrament. Well, Well, and, and, and speaking of things that, that, went on the floor is you've got the two covenant oh, two tablets of the I covenant. Know. I, I felt so bad not tackling that. Oh. Yeah. You know, and both of those are going to go in the, in the Ark of the covenant because, you know, this is where God meets man for, but it's not the, the, the broken copy doesn't get put in there. That's the, no, no, but <laughs> it would have, if it weren't for, you know, yeah. But I often this wonder, where, did the Lord write in cursive. Well, I mean, it was Hebrew, so no. <laughs> I mean, and Moses wrote the second one, so God wrote the first one. Yeah, but, I mean, but that, yeah, that was a part of the sermon that I had to say that I, I, I was like, man, how awesome would it have been to be able to focus on, um, hey, you know, these tablets that that Moses had; these were the handwriting of God. They were tablets that the Lord painstakingly chiseled out for him. I mean, it probably wasn't painstaking and the Lord could have just snapped his, whatever. But I mean, these were created by the Lord for him. Yeah, because God wants to make a covenant with his people. Yes. With people yes. he knows are, are just about to worship a golden calf. Hey guys, I got promises for you. I, I, yeah. I'm i giving them to, this is because your Because God gift. is patient because God does not change even though he knows his people are I know. And and really we and and honestly we both missed the point of the text which is God doesn't like dancing. <laughs> well, I know he doesn't like my dancing. <laughs> David's dancing, but not Rog Dave's and not me, definitely not me. <laughs> David's no. dancing's okay. But, but there, you're right. That is a beautiful spot that, that the Lord desires the, the, the desires this relationship. And so he's he's giving this stuff. And 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 it's not as if he's requiring us to do anything. He's giving it. He, he didn't say, Moses, write this down. Um, that comes later. Yeah. And it's like, here, 
here, Israelites, you're going to be co-workers with me in saving yeah. the entire world. Every human being who has ever lived or will ever live, this is what we get to do together. Yeah. And you couldn't wait 40 days before I know. worshiping a golden calf. How disappointing, right? How disappointing. And we're the yeah. same way. We are they the are same almost way. as bad as me. Almost. Not quite. But I mean, how many of us, you know, Lord, I understand you're calling me to be a co-worker with you, but if we could just make a law in the government to have them do it for me so that they can use the sword instead of pronouncing forgiveness, that would be great. Um, (laughs) Or if you could just send someone else other than me, and then I can critique that other person that you sent. um, Oh, that would be nice. That would be great. That would be, that's like a vicar or an associate. (laughs) so yeah no great let's move on because i think uh in the last 20 minutes of an hour show here we still haven't heard anything from matthew we haven't and those are the actual words of jesus i mean i don't know why what you guys have against jesus but uh uh so the gospel lesson for this coming sunday was from matthew chapter 10 Beginning at 14, this is where the context of this is Jesus is about to send his 12 disciples out on their mission trip, and he's giving them encouragement, but then he also gives them this warning, knowing what's going to happen. He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be enemies, will be members of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives and re- receives me receives him who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, because he is my disciple, amen, I tell you, he will not lose his reward. And so as we have seen, there's so much more in the Exodus text uh, than just the Levites picking up a sword and uh, choosing the Lord over their own people. But that's that's appears to be the link between the two texts, other than Christ, who is the atonement, uh, who is sending his disciples out uh, to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. So my sermon, because it was the July 4th, I talked about how we are people that say that we're for unity, but really our pride always gets in the way. We say we're a community, but yet when our community is doing road construction, we have 17 accidents in 16 days because people can't slow down. Um, so we, we say we want unity, but we really are very selfish. And this, that the, um, um, the segue into that is the whole idea of our family and Christ. We say we follow Christ, but we oftentimes are selfish. Uh, we, we, we say we follow Christ, but we don't want to tell the truth to our brothers and sisters, our actual blood relatives, or... Uh, when it comes to a point of disagreement between who Jesus is, we would rather choose the, uh, the, the path where we don't confess Christ to those around us, but would rather just stay silent or just say, well, you know, all roads lead to, to heaven or something like that. Um, so that was the, the loss was, is that um, people who deny Christ in front of their family or pick their family over their Christ, over who Jesus is and what he says. I really, I, I did talk about what, what exactly are they choosing between Jesus and their family while well, they're, they're choosing between who, who Jesus is and what he has revealed in the word. So things like, one example I said is we've got the Lord's Supper, Christ says it is his body and blood, and we've got uh, anybody who's not Roman Catholic says this, is, this only symbolizes, and we think that, that's, that, that we have a commonality, that we're, that we're okay if we're talking with those individuals that they believe the same things that we do. So we're clearly choosing our relationship with that um, person or our relationship with our family over Christ and his word. So that was the law, and then it really came down to we are none of us are worthy. There are plenty of times when we had opportunities to speak uh, Christ's truth, but instead we chose the easy route that didn't cause division. 
And the fact is, is that Jesus does cause division because you can't look at Jesus as a teacher. I used that C.S. Lewis example of either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he's your Lord. So you can't just stand there and say that Jesus is a good teacher. No, you have to really confront who Jesus is and what he has done. That was the law uh, in that section. And then the gospel is, is that Jesus, uh, even though we are not worthy, he declares that we are worthy. He comes to this earth. He leaves behind his family. He chooses us over his family, over what is comfortable. He does the hard thing, and then he dies on the cross for us and takes our sins away. And he brings us into a family. Um, and so um, so oftentimes in this text, you, you think about, Lord, you're asking me to give up something that I love. You're asking me to give up my family, uh, give up my, my mom or my dad for you. What am I getting in return? And Jesus does talk about, this is what you receive, that wherever you go for the in the 12 disciples when they went on this mission, yeah, they're going to talk to their family members that aren't going to receive them well or not going to receive their message, but there are going to be people, they are going to gain a family, so to speak, people that are going to receive them because they have the gospel message. And so I, I did talk about how when it comes to Christ, sometimes we have to lose family, but we also find it. I talk about how past, and my example was pastors going far away from family. Why would pastors ever want to go far away from family? Well, they gain a family uh, as they do that. And then my encouragement for my members was a lot of you are blood relatives and after worship you talk to your blood relatives and that's a good thing, but we are a family. God designed us, put us all together here uh, in, in the word, gathered us together so that we would be more than just blood relatives and our little blood relative family, but all of us be a family. And so my encouragement then was to um, visit with other individuals other than your family because there are people God brought us together because we need to share uh, Jesus with each other uh, and who he is and what he has done with each other and that would cause this community to grow so sermon theme was losing family and gaining family I didn't have two parts Will so um, I had that going for, for, for me that which is nice um, <laughs> and uh, but it was just those, that, those two concepts and obviously, the one thing that I left on the floor was the um, theology of the cross right there. Whoever doesn't pick up their cross and follow me. There was, it was uh, on the uh, on peripherals because of oftentimes we have to give up something that we love for Christ. But I didn't deliberately say this is the theology of the cross. I didn't use those words. So, did, so um, in your... In your like pronunciation of the law, uh, did you did you find um, keeping it more on the surface was was more beneficial? Well, I, apparently, you did because that's how you preached it. But keeping it more on the surface more beneficial than than maybe using specific examples from like the text of you know you're going to be against your your in law because I, you know I did I did uh, I pretended as if the twelve disciples were going with to their dad and saying, Dad, we found the one who's going to bring restoration to Israel. And the dad's saying, oh, okay, what, what kind of army does he have? Oh, well, he doesn't have an army. Well, what kind of weapons do you guys have? Well, weapons really aren't our thing. We're, we, we left all those behind. We might have two, but we left all those things behind. So I did uh, use that in, in the illustration of the text of how, as they're preaching to their family and their, their understanding of who Christ is, who the Messiah is, is going to cause division. Uh, sure. going to cause resistance. Fabulous. Just fabulous. No, I, I think that would have been a, that's a, that's a great sermon and knowing some of the people in Shirley, I think that would have just been a, a great um, thing for them to hear and need to hear because like you say, you know, you get into that. I, and my, my congregation as well, everyone's related to everybody. And, and sometimes that can become as awesome as that is, that can become a sticking point to where we're, community or the the church community can feel closed off to someone else um so no awesome so law gospel you preached that well you said you had one thing that you left on the floor that you you kind of felt you you needed to cut out um i didn't need to cut it out i just didn't have time for it you know i had my 22 minutes (laughs) <laughs> should have gone 29 I should have gone 29 and then we could have gotten a theology of the cross yeah <laughs> Well, very good. Um, I, did, I did like the cup of cold water. Oftentimes we think that's just for little children, but that was what 
he was talking about his disciples there. I, I get that was a new thought for me. Like he's he, he's talking about his disciples because they are my disciple. You, if somebody offers you a cold, a cup of cold water as you go out on this missionary journey, you're doing it for me. And uh, sometimes we take that out of context and think that it's just us giving cold water to children. No, this is providing for uh, those who bring us Jesus. So you're saying what I'm hearing is, <laughs> is that, that congregation <laughs> should be having the air condition flow towards the pastor in the pulpit yeah. so that you can stay cool. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's definitely what I'm saying. <clears throat> that was, that, like if, think, go ahead. I like to think about that time I was, I was going door to door and this lady said, uh, I'm Lutheran. I don't know if I'm Wisconsin synod, but I just made chocolate chip cookies. Would you like one? And she gave me a, a chocolate chip cookie fresh out of the oven. And that's like a cup of cold water. And, and yeah. so like, that's clearly what Jesus means. <laughs> Will, I thought, I thought you said that. They offer milk. She did not offer milk. No, <laughs> no. I thought, Will, you were going to say, well, that and congregations can just rework their compensation packages. So as long as pastor gets his cup of cold water, therefore we don't need to take care of him in any other way. <laughs> That's how you can afford it. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. No, yeah. it was very good. Very good. Um, what did it say? You guys, here's from the notes or, or from the posting. You guys brought that up in a casting as podcast months ago that even giving someone a cup of water is showing them Jesus, bring Jesus to them. So, yeah, and, and, and I would have to probably just highlight that, that, that um, I've, if I remember correctly, the conversation, the conversation revolved around um, these are things that we can do when we're talking about our, our vocation, but that doesn't always mean that that's where the conversation ends. Um, you know, you're not sharing Jesus with somebody in an active way, just by giving them a cup of cold water. Um, although you are still serving them, which is, which is a good and, and, and rightful thing to do. Um, being there to be able to then answer a question or to give hope or comfort or to share Jesus from the, from the lips of one sinner to the ears of another is, is the active part of that. So, but very good. All right. I, so I should, I haven't listened to it. Did you post that yet? Because if it did, it didn't come over on my feed. I, have to look I it posted it yesterday. Okay. Oh, no, Fine. actually, I posted it Sunday afternoon. YouTube link. There it is. I don't know what it is. My, I'll post something. I'll post something on, on Facebook in the morning, and my wife doesn't get it until like the next morning. Yeah, and, and it's on my Google podcast. It popped up right away. And on uh, Podbean wow. podcast, it popped up right away. And it's all there. Podbean. Well, it is there. Podbean. I should listen to Podbean more often. Thank you, Rachel. I should do that. I should also listen to this. Don't I you? should also listen to this new podcast. It's only been out there for a couple of years. Casting nets. <laughs> you know, Will, if, if this is if this is really bothering you, I could post those on the Casting Nets pod stream if you want me to. And then, then that way but you don't listen to yourself anyway, so you don't even don't. subscribe to your own podcast. I'm I sure. do subscribe to it. I do subscribe to it. Um, but I, but I'll be honest. I, I do like listening to your sermons because you know, as a, as a, a pastor who does preaching, and I know we do preach to ourselves as we're preparing the sermon and things. Um, it is very nice to be able to sit at the feet of someone else and to listen. And, yeah. And, and yeah. I'm I'm longing for the day that uh, Saint John Maribel returns their playlist to having just the sermon, so that I could listen to the sermon. Oh, you you don't like our casting nets playlist, or you want the playlist to not be directed to? No, your Saint John's Maribel YouTube page has the entire service, which is good for some. You know, some want need to hear, you know, the the absolution every every time they listen to the YouTube. But for others who are just looking for the the sermon, they can have a playlist where it's just the sermon. I would have to go and I'd have to go and read. That would take time. It would take time. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would have to go and cut that because I don't keep. We don't keep a hard copy here. It, you know, it would take it would take time for me to put this on the my sermons on the Casting Nets podcast. But I am willing to do that for you. I'm willing to serve you in that you, way. I think we've all come to the general conclusion. You are a better pastor. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I would second that. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> so what do you use to edit down the so or, you, is that a question better off 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 the off the stream i you can use it right in your youtube studio you can make clips that way i suppose you could clip it down and then have it go to a different playlist yeah because i have people that throughout the week do go back and listen to the are they use the service with their family so yeah <clears throat> yeah i can just maybe saying just saying with all of those individuals that you have at your congregation there's some there's sure there's somebody there one of your kids can do it as part of their catechism project. Set that up for you. That's I, what. That's why you teach kids in in grade school so that you can have your slave labor and have people do things for you. I teach them it, in grade school. Is there some AI stuff. tool oh. that does it for us? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Don't bring up AI. You know, AI is in our is a there's a where as is a for. I'm sorry, I'm getting way off topic. Um, but I, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that doesn't get out of committee. <laughs> yeah. Right. They should put a whereas every every church puts on sermons on their online. Therefore, they should remove them after one year so that Wells pastors don't copy sermons from other Wells pastors. Do you, no, do you, what are you doing to me? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, same concept. If we're not going to use AI to help write our sermons, well, we shouldn't actually be using other sermons. Not saying that we do that. Not saying that, it, but I'm just saying. Every, for some good past- pastor, every good pastor reads the sermons of other pastors. If you because want to get better at it, yeah. You got to get better at Be your fair. trade. But you don't use it I as don't a crutch. Them. That's too much work. <laughs> Listen to I them. just watch them. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. As long as you don't lift them <laughs> and little, say. Little <clears throat> earphone in and. What did the what other did, guy uh, says it? I say it. <laughs> <laughs> what did Professor Tiefel used to say uh, in in homiletics? You beg, borrow, and steal, and give credit to no one. <laughs> <laughs> but a, as you can see, dear listener, that is not what we do here at Beyond the Sermon because we have done the work uh, looking at our, our sermon texts and as we preach them, obviously leaving stuff on the table and, and this is the opportunity for you to ask questions about your sermon, uh, our sermons and to learn more about all the things we studied during, throughout the week so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's word and grow in faith. <laughs>